all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. Copious amounts of rain here over the next couple of days. Lakshmi Singh. U.S. service members at risk of suicide are not receiving the care they need, according to a new study commissioned by the Pentagon. NPR's Windsor Johnston reports that study revealed that military health care providers fail to perform critical follow-ups for troops diagnosed with depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. The study, conducted by the RAND Corporation, focused on the cases of 39,000 service members in 2013. The report found that only 30 percent of troops with depression and 54 percent with PTSD were properly treated after being diagnosed. The study's lead researcher, Kimberly Hepner, says follow-up care is crucial after initial assessments. Once they're diagnosed, we're looking to see if they've received uh, at least four psychotherapy visits or two medication management visits in the first eight weeks uh, following their diagnosis. Hepner says the study highlighted several areas of strength, including screenings for drug and alcohol use and suicide risk. Windsor Johnston, NPR News, Washington. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is attempting to repair frayed ties between the U.S. and Russia and walking a fine line in the process. The BBC's Steve Rosenberg reports that on the sidelines of a regional Asian gathering in the Philippines, Tillerson and his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, spoke about each nation's respective concerns. Rex Tillerson said he warned Sergei Lavrov that Moscow's interference in the U.S. presidential election had damaged the relationship between the American and Russian people. But the U.S. Secretary of State suggested it wasn't useful to cut everything off over one single issue. The two countries, he said, should find the places we can work together. Let's try to work together. Mr Lavrov said Russia was ready to normalise dialogue, but that first Washington had to give up its confrontational line. Talk of dialogue and cooperation suggests that Donald Trump's White House and Vladimir Putin's Kremlin haven't given up hope completely of building a closer relationship. The BBC's Steve Rosenberg. Opposition leaders in Venezuela are pressing their nation's military to break ranks with President Nicolas Maduro. 
Here's NPR's Philip Reeves. Venezuela's opposition has issued a statement reiterating their call to the army to defend the country's existing constitution. That would mean opposing the president and especially his plan to rewrite the constitution using a new assembly that was elected last week amid worldwide condemnation. The military's support for Maduro is widely seen as critical to his ability to retain power as he steers the country closer towards dictatorship. The opposition appeal comes after a band of armed men in military uniforms attacked a military base in the city of Valencia in an apparent attempt to trigger an uprising. The Venezuelan armed forces say these men were civilian mercenaries working for US-backed right-wing groups. Philip Reeves, NPR News, Caracas. You're listening to NPR News. Italian authorities are announcing the arrest of alleged arsonists in multiple fires in Sicily. And the suspects are reported to be firefighters. Today, police said 15 firefighting volunteers were arrested for allegedly deliberately setting fires or had close associates call in false alarms in order to be called into work so they could earn more money. Italian investigators argue the scheme took place from 2013 to 2015. The Dark Tower is the top draw at the domestic box office, earning an estimated $19.5 million. NPR's Trina Williams reports it was a slow weekend at theaters. Moviegoers apparently found other things to do over the weekend as blockbuster ticket sales eluded new releases. The Dark Tower leading the pack is based on the best-selling novels by Stephen King. Idris Elba portrays the last gunslinger. The tower protects both our worlds. If it falls, hell will be unleashed. Matthew McConaughey is the man in black who is on a mission to destroy the Dark Tower. The tower will fall. It's up to the gunslinger to stop him. Last weekend's top three movies are all down a notch with Dunkirk finishing second, followed by the Emoji Movie and Girls Trip. Kidnap starring Halle Berry debuts at number five. Trina Williams, NPR News. So far this hour, the U.S. stocks are in positive territory with the Dow up 12 points at 22,104. NASDAQ is up 29 at 6380. The S&P is up a fraction at 2478. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the estate of Joan Kroc, whose bequest serves as an enduring investment in the future of public radio and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation at rwjf.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi, and welcome to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today, I have a very special guest. I have Trip Proviance, who is an orthopedic nurse practitioner at UMMC, and my personal savior on many cases of orthopedic uh, emergencies. And we are here to take your questions about all things bones and joints and muscles. Anything orthopedic-related, we'll be happy to help you out with today. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.com. Org. Good morning, Trip. Good morning. 
I'm so happy that you're here with me today. We've been trying to get this together for a while, and your schedule's been a little crazy because I know that you see a ton of patients over at UMC. Yeah, we do. And I feel like a lot of them are mine because I'm always calling you and asking for favors, uh, and you always take excellent care of them. So tell us a little bit about what you do over at UMC. Um, I work for the orthopedic outpatient clinic at UMC. Uh, I'm there five days a week uh, seeing general orthopedic complaints, doing preoperative workups for the surgeons and postoperative checks for the surgeons as well. And another little fact, we went to school together. So sure we were in yeah. nurse practitioner school together many, many, many years ago. We will not talk about how many years ago, but it's been it's been a while. And the other day when I was moving, I found a box of old papers and assignments, and it was a project that you and I did together. I'm in, sure we made a top grade we, on it. Of course we did. You know, it just had so many stickers and smiley faces all over it. They were like, gosh, this is the best project we've ever seen. Um, but I thought that was funny when I came across that. So I kept it, and I'll use it for ransom one day, maybe if something needs to happen. So uh, when we say orthopedics, what exactly does orthopedics entail? So orthopedics covers, um, you know, bones, joints, tendons, ligaments. um, And uh, a lot of times you'll have uh, people that think they have an orthopedic complaint and and it's actually something else. Uh, Could be referred pain, uh, you know, from something going on uh, elsewhere. But Typically, uh, things we see in the clinic uh, with um, with our department would be uh, sprains and strains. Uh, you know, it has a lot uh, to do with back pain. Uh, that's the, probably the number one reason someone comes to see me is because there's pain, whether or not that's associated with an injury. And from a primary care perspective, that's one of the most common complaints that I see in clinic as well. Now, it may not be the complaint that they present with in clinic. You know, they're coming to see me for their high blood pressure, their diabetes. But during the course of the exam, they're like, and I've got this back pain I've been dealing with. And it really does affect all of their life because with hypertension and diabetes, I'm often recommending exercise or something like that. And if their back is hurting, it's very difficult for them to be able to do that. So that's why ortho and primary care kind of work pretty closely together to make sure that we can get people up and moving as much as we can. Uh, You mentioned referred pain. And so one thing that can be referred is gallbladder pain that often will present as a back pain type issue, but it's It's Mm -hmm. not, you know. Um, So that's when our good primary care provider comes into play and helping rule those things out before they get all the way over to you. Now, um, we're going to talk about back pain in just a second, what the most common causes of that are. But we do have a question already from Starkville, Mississippi with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hi. Hi. How are Uh, you? Well, doing pretty well. Since my last bout with uh, lower back spasms, I've been doing series of exercises to do uh, inner core strengthening Mm -hmm. and one of those is uh, squats and I heard someone else say that's not good for your back so just want to ask about that so it's uh, it's really going to depend on your uh, particular uh, physical conditioning you know at the time that the the back pain starts Uh, if you're in relatively good shape and you're paying attention to um you know, your positioning while you're doing these squats, you're not overloading uh, the joints with, uh, you know, significant or, or too much weight, uh, then I think squats are fine. Um, you know, that you bringing that up, whether that's good for your back, um, you know, any kind of strengthening is good, but there are certain things that don't work for certain people. So if you find that 
you're doing squats and that increases your back pain or doesn't help over time, then that may be something that you either need coaching on proper technique uh, or it may be something that's not going to be helpful for your uh, back pain. And that may be due to uh, the, you know, getting down to the true cause of your back pain, whether that's uh, muscle weakness or arthritis in the posterior joints of the back or whether that pain is due to spinal stenosis or a ruptured disc. And I, I would second that, Joe. What I see folks do with squats that does injure the back is just like Tripp was talking about, improper form in the way that you squat. So your back should be straight when you squat. It shouldn't be humped or curved because if you're humping your back over when you squat down, you're going to strain those muscles out. If you're leaning too far over, you're going to strain those muscles as well. So usually a, a squat... You want to act just like you're about to sit down into a chair. You don't want to lean over. That's hard for a lot of folks when they're first starting out because they may have kind of weak core muscles like you're talking about, and they feel like they're going to fall when they go to sit back, and they wind up overcompensating and leaning forward and hurting their back. Ideally, with the squat, your knees are not going to go over your toes, so the way I recommend people start with squats is to actually put a chair right there and actually go ahead and sit down in the chair and stand back up and sit down in the chair and stand back up until you get used to that motion and get those muscles a little bit stronger um, instead of just trying to squat independent of that. And then, of course, you know, I can't talk enough about uh, physical therapy and how much that can help with chronic uh, low back pain and getting those core muscles strengthened up a little bit for that. Does that help? Thank you very much. You're so welcome. And we have a couple of open phone lines. So if you want to give us a call about your orthopedic questions today, our number is 1-877-672-7464. And our email is fit at mpbonline.org. So you mentioned several different things that can be causing some back pain. You mentioned some ruptured discs and that kind of stuff. Tell me what exactly a disc is when, when we say we have a ruptured disc. What does that mean? Um, so uh, the back is made of uh, individual vertebrae or bones uh, that are stacked on top of each other. And between those, as a cushion, uh, there's a disc. And that disc is uh, comprised of the annulus, which is a tough, fibrous uh, outer structure, and then the inside is uh, similar to uh, a type of jelly, and that's called the nucleus pulposus. Um, and when we say we've uh, ruptured a disc, uh, what happens is there's a tear in the annulus that allows that jelly-like material to squeeze out. Um, due to the other structures in the back that strengthen the direct anterior part of the disc and posterior part of the disc, there are two big ligaments there. The uh, when the disc ruptures, the uh, herniation tends to poke out toward the back and to one side or the other, and uh, that can be one telltale sign of a ruptured disc. Is that a lot of times when you have a ruptured disc, the pain will be radiating into one leg or the other. Now, it certainly can happen in both at the same time, especially with some traumatic events, but uh, that may be a clue that tips you off. And it can kind of bump up against those nerves that are coming out Absolutely. There. So that's what causes the radiating pain. You and that's know, like it, a sharp, shooting, burning type pain for some folks. Right, right. I, I often hear it um, as a tight band or burning, uh, radiating uh, 
pins and needles, sometimes you can get a numbness with that mm-hmm. as well. Now, what about sciatica? Because I hear folks all the time, they're like, I got sciatica. What is sciatica? So the sciatic nerve is the largest nerve that uh, leaves from the back going down uh, the back of the leg uh, into the foot. And that's actually made up of the uh, the lower nerve roots in the spine, in the lower part of the spine. Uh, sciatica can be caused by uh, a ruptured disc in the back, like we just talked about. It can be caused from uh, pressure from the piriformis muscle in the posterior buttock. Um, it can just be caused from doing too much, too much exercise. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, when people have sciatica, it's a self-limited type problem. When they eliminate the activity that brought it on to begin with, it will usually resolve for persistent cases, um, they usually, you know, seek the care of their primary care provider or orthopedics, and we can examine and do imaging and, and get down to the bottom of that and what would be best to treat it. So it's kind of a warning sign to kind of slow down and maybe, you know, stop working that area quite as much. I had it when I was pregnant. So, you know, and I chose to think of it as the cause because you change your center of gravity. You kind of lean back a little bit when you're pregnant so you don't fall on your face and do that super cute waddle that pregnant ladies do. And it just puts a lot of pressure back there. And I had hoped it would go away. But, you know, as a nurse, we do a lot of lifting and pulling and moving and all that kind of stuff. And so it has not. And mine, I don't have any of the shooting pain or anything, but I would describe it as just a dull kind of tug right in your butt cheek is what it feels like just like somebody's pulling on it and tugging on it and it is no fun and it does mean slow your tail down and just relax a little bit which is hard hard for me to do and uh, so that can be one cause of some low back pain the herniated disc the sciatica what are some other common things about going on back there that cause pain um acute causes pain are are typically due to acute injury whether that be a a blow uh playing contact sports uh it could be from a car wreck it could be lifting uh something that was too heavy you could have uh muscle pain in the back from uh, from lifting a repetitive uh, motion in the back. Maybe you decided to get in shape after the first of the year, went to the gym, and you're really killing it that first week, and uh, you'll your body will let you know the next week if the, you weren't quite ready for that. <laughs> Slow down, sport. you got to um, take, it, take it a little easy. So our uh, causes of more chronic type pain can be uh, uh, arthritis in the back, and typically that gets uh, aggravated in uh, older people, especially uh, people that stand for long periods of time because that loads those joints up in the back. And as we get older, we naturally lose water from those discs that we were talking about earlier, and it can uh, can cause loss of the height between those vertebrae that put more pressure on the joints in the back. When I was in uh, nurse practitioner school, I actually did an ortho rotation because we got to pick a rotation to do. And so I did not like ortho. So I said, let me go do a rotation in that so that I can learn about this from the experts. And the way my preceptor explained it to me was the disc was almost like a crab cake, like moist crab meat. And as we get older, it's almost like you left that crab cake out on the counter and it dehydrated and kind of shrunk down. And that's what was going on in that disc. And that, that made sense to my to me. I hope it makes sense to some other folks. And that really explains that kind of loss of height and that loss of squishiness that it's got going on there. All right, we're going to go to Gulfport and talk to Mary this morning. Good morning, Mary. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Oh, thank you uh, for taking my call. Sure. I'm calling about pain that is running on the back of both thighs, particularly when I sit down. I don't know if that's sciatica or what. Okay. 
Uh, yes, it certainly could be, and that could be from uh, a ruptured a bulging disc in the back. Um, it it sounds like uh, that could be what we call a neurogenic claudication or pressure on a nerve root uh, that, that causes uh, a constriction of the nerve, kind of like uh, if you have a constriction of blood flow into your legs that gets worse with exercise. Um, a neurogenic claudication uh, gets worse uh, whether you're exercising or not, and typically with uh, with sitting. So that's that's uh, certainly lines up uh, with the symptoms that you're having and and what exacerbates that. Uh, you may find that uh, that standing, lying down, or changing positions, uh, whether leaning uh, forward or backward, uh, eliminates that pain or helps with that pain will, will help your provider get that figured out for you. But likely further imaging would be needed to make the definitive diagnosis for you. Okay. Thank you very much. You're yes, welcome, ma'am. Mary. Thank you for your call. And we've got some open phone lines. We're going to take a quick break. And if you want to talk with us and join our conversation, please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. sustaining member of mpb think radio we appreciate your support of our programs to become a sustainer go to mpbonline.org it's pledge time again at mpb tv through august 15th watch premium television you can't see any other time of the year trace the history of early christianity with ancient roads from christ to constantine on Tuesday, August 8th at 7 p.m. And again on August 13th at 5.30 p.m. Make your pledge to watch great TV. Visit mpbonline.org for the full schedule. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and I've got my guest today, Trip Provience, who's an orthopedic nurse practitioner at UMC. And we're talking all things bones and joints and muscles today. And we would love to talk with you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or as always, you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. 
before we went on the break, we were talking about back pain, and we've really been focusing on low back pain. Mm -hmm. But there are problems that can occur more in the upper part of the spine as well, usually what we call the cervical region. Um, Tell me about some of those. So uh, a lot of times we'll uh, have patients that come in with a complaint of neck pain, and uh, the, the first thing we ask is whether that was a sudden onset with a type of activity or injury or whether this uh, slowly progressed over time. And that can help us uh, figure out whether it's uh, mainly a, a muscular problem. Uh, is this actually a shoulder problem that you know is causing muscle spasms and pain radiating into the neck or vice versa? A lot of times people come in with, uh, with shoulder pain, and it ends up that uh, it's something coming from the neck. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned muscle pain, and so that, you know, it can be that crick in the neck, like you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. with that. And those usually go away in a day or so. It's when it kind of lasts longer than that, becomes a little bit more of a persistent problem. And I often get confused looks from patients when they come in with, you know, a neck problem, and I start looking at their shoulders or start looking at, you know, their spine, they're like, that's not what's hurting me. You know, what's going on? But just like you mentioned, if there's tension in other areas, it pulls all those muscles out of whack and you'll get pain into other areas. So for muscle type pain of the the neck and shoulders, really physical therapy and exercising, if there's not a structural problem going on, is going to be one of the best things we can do for yeah, that. Absolutely. Heat, ice, uh, if not contraindicated, then, uh, you know, over-the-counter medications to start. Talk to me about heat and ice because people often say, what am I supposed to put on it? Am I supposed to put heat on it? Am I supposed to put ice on it? Right. You're supposed to uh, use whichever one helps the best for you. Uh, you can you can alternate the two. A lot of times what I find is helpful personally when I've kind of overdone it, I have neck or back pain, is that uh, heat early in the morning uh, to kind of loosen the muscles up and, and get things moving. And then later on in the day, um, if, if you prefer to, to use ice to decrease inflammation. So that's a good rule. And then the other rule with icing and heat is limiting the time that you apply that. So, you know, you don't want to stick an ice pack on and leave it on for an extended period of time because you can get almost like a little freezer burn to the skin underneath that. So you always want to make sure you put at least, you know, a thin washcloth or something underneath that ice pack. And I usually tell folks about 15 minutes and then 15 to 20 minutes, take it off and give it a little Give it a little break from that. Um, same deal with heat, you know, especially don't ever fall asleep on your heating pad, things like that, because you can get some burns through there um, that will cause some problems with that. But that's a really common question that we get a lot is which one should I put on there, heat or ice? And you're right, it's whichever one makes it makes it better. Mm-hmm. You know, same deal with headaches. You know, I've got really bad headaches, and usually they say heat is what you want to put. That doesn't make mine better. That makes mine worse. So, you know, I put ice on it and that's just fine. Um, And then talk to me about the changes in the spine that kind of happen as we age in the upper part of the spine. So in the the upper part of the spine as we age, uh, a lot of times people get a a forward uh, curvature of the upper thoracic spine. uh, And then that throws the head forward off balance and to compensate people kind of, you know, tilt the head back. So then you get an um, an exaggerated curvature of the cervical spine called a lordotic curvature. Uh, a lot of times we uh, we see that. And for the same reasons that standing uh, a lot of times will bother lower back pain in the in the uh, face of arthritis, the same thing happens with the uh, the cervical spine as as the head uh, as they extend that neck to get the head back over the the shoulders, uh, it loads those posterior joints and that can cause a lot of pain and 
eventually, if the arthritis gets bad enough, people feel like there's uh, gravel or grinding mm-hmm. in the neck when they move it. Mm-hmm. And you got to think about those bone spurs that are there as well. And sometimes, you know, we got to think about, you mentioned the vertebrae, and there's a, a canal running through there that your spinal cord runs down through. And so anything that narrows that space can kind of squish little parts of the spinal cord and cause pain and numbness and tingling from that perspective as well. And that's usually more in the arms when you've got a narrowing or something in the right. upper. Right. We mentioned the, uh, the ruptured disc causing pressure on the nerves, but uh, if the arthritis gets bad enough, that can uh, narrow those openings where the nerve roots come out as well. So you just got to think about the level of where your problem is, and that's going to be the symptoms that go along with that. So arm pain, hand pain, all of that should be taken seriously if it's not getting better with with regular treatment because it could be a spine problem as well, not just an arm or a hand problem. We've got a couple callers on the line, so we're going to talk to John in Biloxi. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Good. My question is, uh, I have a two-part question. One is um, lower back pain, a common uh, side effect of Cipro uh, treatment, a treatment with Ciprofloxin. I I have not seen that um, as a specific side effect. Um, However, uh, Cipro and Levaquin are fluoroquinolones, and they have been associated with uh, increased risk of tendon rupture. Yeah, so more from a tendon perspective. And usually I see that more in the foot um, from an Achilles tendon type of perspective or in the knee from a more patellar tendon type of issue, but not necessarily low back pain. Okay. And uh, uh, the diagnostic sequence, uh, do they start off with uh, x-rays and where do they go from there when they're working up a diagnostic um, sequence with lower back pain? Yeah, so typically we do start with x-rays and and the x-rays may not tell us a whole lot about what the problem is, but they do tell us a lot about what the problem is not. So when we get a plain x-ray, uh, what I'm typically looking for at a, at a first visit, uh, not associated with an acute injury like a car wreck or football injury, would be to do flexion and extension views, make sure there's no instability of the spine. I'm looking for any signs of uh, bone lesions that may you know, uh, tell me that there could be some kind of neoplastic process or cancer going on there. Um, then you couple that with an exam uh, the exam will tell us uh, what type of advanced imaging we need. Or, you know, are we looking at primarily a, a bone problem, a possible fracture there? We may get a CAT scan, which is very specific uh, for bone. Uh, we may decide that we need an MRI to look at the, uh, the disc and ligaments and, and nerves in the back. Uh, if MRI is contraindicated because of a pacemaker or something like that, there are other tests that we can we can order um, you know, we, we can add contrast, uh, to those tests as well, you know, depending on what we're looking for. So we can get very specific with those advanced imaging options. Okay. All right, John, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, let's switch over to Canton and talk to Juanita this morning. Good morning, Juanita. Uh, Hello. Uh, I'm calling about, uh, um, I've had this, uh, chronic pain in my, humor my right arm and uh after about two three years of this i went to the orthopedist and they um did an x-ray and he said that it was my rotator cuff is that uh um common that you would have 
pain in your humerus, but it's referred pain from your rotator cuff? So you can certainly see uh, referred pain into the humerus and and even further into the arm from a uh, chronic rotator cuff tear. Uh, That tear may be associated with uh, a lot of inflammation in the arm, and that inflammation can affect the nerves that go through that area as well, causing radiating pain. Um, If an x-ray was the only diagnostic test that was done, Uh, We can couple that with an exam. There are some reactive changes and things that we can see about the the proximal humerus that may give us a hint that this could be a rotator cuff tear. Uh, If you had exam findings that were consistent with that, then it would be a pretty good guess that that's what's going on. Uh, The definitive diagnosis for rotator cuff tear would be made with an MRI. MRI. Okay, second thing, um, um, how does one know when the rotator cuff is bad enough to require surgery? So, uh, again, that's where that advanced imaging comes in. Uh, the MRI can tell us the degree of the tear. It can tell us whether the tear goes all the way through the tendons, uh, if it goes all the way across the tendon, and uh, which one or or. You know, there may be multiple of the four rotator uh, cuff tendons that are affected by that. So you would couple that information along with your symptoms, how bad they are, and whether you've exhausted all conservative options for treatment like physical therapy and injections and medications. I think then you could make a solid decision whether to do surgery. Thank you. You're welcome, Juanita. All right, before we go to our break, I want to quickly get to Rosina in Jackson and talk about lower back stiffness. Good morning, Rosina. Good morning. How can we help you today? Well, um, I had a hip replacement on my left leg about four years ago, summers ago, and I'm also a dancer and quite active in Pilates and exercise, and I know I can sense my body pretty well. Um, now, I recovered from my hip replacement very well for a year, and then within about three months after that period, I got this stiffness in the right side of my lower back spine, and I can touch my toes, I can do lunges, I can do all kinds of things that can seem flexible, but it's just that little area in my lower back, kind of where... Uh, maybe what the epidural also went in and it's just very stiff and it just won't stretch and I was just wondering what insight you might be able to give me um, so you know that that will be a difficult question to answer over the radio obviously um, we need you know an, an exam and and possibly some imaging to have a better idea um, I'll go out on a limb and guess the reason that you had the uh, hip replacement was arthritis um, you know, there are other reasons that you may have had that done, but uh, knowing that, you know, if you have arthritis in one area of the body, you could certainly have some arthritis in the back. Um, there may be uh, some uh, facet joint arthritis uh, on one side or the other, and most likely the affected side where you're having that pain. But, um, you know, obviously this is bothering you, you know, long enough and bad enough to call in to, to see about this thing. I would really recommend going in and uh, uh, getting that checked out, getting some imaging and an exam just to make sure it's not something else going on. Um, you know, uh, you, you sound very active and likely if you knew that this was nothing uh, that was uh, an urgent uh, need that you could probably tough through that and keep exercising and doing what you'd like to do. 
How was that, Rosina? That help a little bit? Yes, that sounds good. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Did you have another question? Uh, well, no, it's just a journey, you know, trying to figure yes. out what it is. Yes, 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 I, it is. But, you know, without being able to kind of touch on you a little bit and see exactly where the pain is and, and have a picture to go along with it, it's a little bit hard. So, you know, we do recommend that you go back and get that checked out, and we hope that they figure it out for you so you can keep staying active and dancing. Thank you. You're welcome, dear. Have a good Monday. Bye. Bye. We're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about your knees and what goes wrong in your knees because that is another big old problem that we see in clinic. You can give us a call at 1-877-672-7464 or you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back with Trip Provides after the break. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Are you ready to leave the United States to work or volunteer? Have you thought about how you'll handle your finances overseas? Do you still have to pay income tax back home? On the next Money Talks, our guest will be Duncan McNichol, who will share his experiences and advice on living and working short-term and long-term outside of the U.S. We'll also take your personal finance questions. That's on Money Talks, Tuesday at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell here with my guest, Trip Provines, orthopedic nurse practitioner at UMMC. And we're talking about bones and joints and muscles and knees and spines. Oh, my, today. And we want to talk with you. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. We've been talking backs and spines, but now I want to move to the knee because I got a lot of hits on my uh, Facebook this morning when I posted about our topic. I had a lot of folks calling in uh, or writing in about their knees. So when we talk about knee pain... What is kind of the most common cause of that knee pain? 
in my clinic, uh, to be honest with you, it's it's older people with arthritis in my clinic. Uh, you know, with younger people, it's typically uh, either an acute injury, um, a malalignment of the knee, or um, or you know, it, it could even be something you know weight related. If you just have too much weight on your knee, that can cause it to hurt. Yeah, we see that a lot, even and kind of coupled on top of arthritis as well. Sure. You already have some arthritis of, the, of your knee and then you are carrying a little extra weight. And you got to think when you're standing up, your knees are taking a, a brunt of the absorption of, of that extra weight and kind of pushing down on them. So if we can get your kind of legs, quads strengthened up a little bit and get a little of the weight off, that will help some of the pain in your knees. To quantify that a little bit a little better when you're walking about three times your body weight goes through each knee Wow! Uh, with just that. just walking just normally walking. so uh, I say that to say if you can get you know 10 pounds off it feels like 30 uh, just for normal walking yeah so, so even little tiny ad- you know, adjustments and overall weight can improve that you know that's one thing that I hear being a you know life more of a lifestyle medicine type of provider that you know when i recommend exercise people are like my knees hurt too bad for that you know so we usually start them out with something like water aerobics or something in the pool that will kind of take some of that weight off of their knees for that um but just losing that little bit of weight can kind of help with that overall impact on the knees there so when we say arthritis we're talking about osteoarthritis right uh, most of the time there, you know, people, a lot of times the, you know, people think, okay, either osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, there are a number of other arthritis out there that are a little, uh, less common, uh, like psoriatic arthritis. Right. They can be associated with, uh, skin plaques, uh, as well. Um, but yeah, probably the most common one I see is osteoarthritis. And what's the difference in osteo and rheumatoid? So osteoarthritis is uh, more of a um, buildup of, of bone spurs and, and wearing down of the cartilage, whereas a rheumatoid or a, uh, a psoriatic arthritis is more of an inflammatory process. Right. And so usually we think of rheumatoid as being kind of autoimmune in nature, meaning your body kind of attacks itself a little bit and creates some antibodies to some of the different areas, in particular in the joint spaces and in the connective tissues. Um, and so... The treatment is different, you know, the treatment for those things are different. But the vast majority of what we see, especially in our older population, is going to be that what I call wear and tear arthritis just from from living and and forming some of those bone spurs in there. What are some of the treatments that we have out there for osteoarthritis? So for uh, osteoarthritis uh, in the early stages, we uh, we recommend staying fit, keeping the muscles in the legs strong to help stabilize the knee as you uh, develop arthritis and lose the cartilage in the knee. Uh, the ligaments stay the same length. So as you lose that joint space, the knee becomes kind of wobbly and moves around. If you can strengthen the muscles around that area or help it hold it uh, more stable, uh, if not contraindicated for your medical condition, you could try anti-inflammatory medications or Tylenol. Um, we could go to um, a steroid injection, which is really good at decreasing inflammation and pain in the knee. But it it doesn't do anything to fix the problem. We're just kind of, you know, covering it up or putting Little a Band-Aid, Band-Aid on, on it. it. That's right. Uh, we have uh, an injection series called Visco Supplementation, and it's uh, hyaluronic acid. We the rooster inject, shot. Exactly, rooster comb shots. Yeah. We inject that directly into the knee, and it's uh, thought to uh, coat the surfaces of the knee, um, you know, to make the surfaces slicker and, and move a little easier. It's also, also excuse me, also 
thick and slippery. Um, but, uh, you know, the medication doesn't stay in there uh, forever. Your body, you know, absorbs that. Um, but we get uh, pretty good relief with that for people in the beginning stages of arthritis. Um, you know, as, as that progresses, it gets to a point where you may even have to have some type of surgery. Right. And so people may not realize that you've got fluid in, in your joint spaces where the, where the two bones meet. Uh, there's a synovial fluid, which is kind of just, you said thick and slippery and it, it right. is, it's like thick oil almost when you rub it. I've had some, I've seen some pulled out and got squirted on my glove when I was in school and got to kind mm-hmm. of rub it around and play with it. And you can see how that would lubricate the joint, make it nice and easy for the joint to move around. But a problem can be when you get a buildup of that, you right. know, it causes pain within the joint because there's just too much of it there. Or then if, you know, the space gets narrowed and those bones are rubbing against each other and causing problems. And that's where that, that high algin, that hyaluronic acid um, shot that you were talking about comes in. And why did I call it a rooster shot? Uh when they were first developed, uh, people called them rooster comb shots because it's the, uh, the the substance in there, the hyaluronic acid, is the uh, same substance that's found in a rooster's comb. The little mm-hmm. red thing on the top on of the their top. head, yeah. their little wobble up there. That's where that comes from. So that would mean if you're allergic to chicken, you could not get that or not? Uh, in the in the beginning, uh, they were, but they're using uh, uh, recombinant technology now that uh, even if you're allergic to chicken, you can get that. And I don't know many people in Mississippi allergic, allergic yeah. to chicken. You yeah. know, that's not a, a real They would move thing. or not last very long. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, we're going to go to Greenville and talk to Jane. Good morning, Jane. Jane? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. How can we help you today? I would like for you to address osteopenia, osteoporosis, taking Fosamax. How long do you take Fosamax? Uh, And, uh, you know, I have osteoarthritis. My knee's been replaced. Mm -hmm. My other knee is fine. I'm a... I must have injured it when I was a child playing basketball. <laughs> but I did mind playing softball, so I'm with you. 86 years old now, and uh, I really, I, I read about it on the, the computer, and I don't fit uh, the description of osteoporosis. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm a little overweight and uh, do fairly well except for low occasional low back ache. I have osteoarthritis some, but I, I'd like for you to talk about that. Okay. Did they put you on Fosamax? Yes. Okay. How long have you been on that? <laughs> well, I have taken it. I took it about three or four years one time and uh she wanted to do another bone scan on mm-hmm. me. I had osteopenia, and it was time for it, mm-hmm. and I refused to take it. So she, I wouldn't take take it anymore. I was having some jaw ache, and okay. I, I said, I, I'm a coffee drinker, too, and I didn't like to wait 30 minutes with, without drinking my without coffee. Without your coffee. You're like me. I got to have a little, a little sip of that I, coffee first thing in the morning. But... I started going to another nurse practitioner, and she said, it's been 10 years since you had a bone scan. Mm-hmm. 
and a bone density rather. Right. And uh, she said, I'm not going to treat you unless you have a bone scan uh, density. So she did, and she said it was osteoporosis. And I t- started taking it, and I go through that 30 minutes at once a week without coffee. But <laughs> other than that, I do all right. But I'd like, how long am I going to take? have to take this? Well, that's a tough one to answer, but let's talk about osteopenia and osteoporosis. So we're talking about the actual density of your bone and how kind of strong it is. And osteopenia is when it's kind of just starting to lose some of its mass and then osteoporosis is a little bit more advanced form of that and there can be some different causes of it the medication that you mentioned Fosamax is a bisphosphonate which is one of the you know the most common class of medications that we do use to treat osteoporosis and osteopenia the the purpose of treating it when it's osteopenia is to kind of help you hold on to as much bone mass as you have Um, it doesn't actually really make your bones a whole lot sturdier it just kind of helps preserve what you've got going on um it does have some side effects to it you mentioned some jaw pain it can cause some issues with actual bone death and bone problems of the jaw um it's not incredibly common but it's out there um really the most common one that i the most common side effect i've seen with it is more of a heartburn um irritation of the esophagus that goes along with that um, from that perspective, I agree with your last practitioner that I wouldn't treat it if I didn't have a recent bone scan, a bone density scan, because you really don't know what you're working with, you know, um, how significant that the, the disease is. Um, Trip, why do we treat osteoporosis to start with? You know, what's the danger with osteoporosis? So the danger is the fragility of the bone. So seemingly uh, a minor trauma could cause a fracture. And uh, as we age, the the uh, repercussions of that uh, become more and more severe. Um, You know, if I'm over 80 and I fall and I break my hip, I'm likely going to have to go in the hospital. That increases my exposure to nosocomial infections. Um, You know, being less active is only going to uh, make the situation worse and make muscles weaker. Um, So, you know, prevention is really the key. So if we can prevent those fragility fractures by treating with drugs like uh, Fosamax, and then, you know, there's some others as well, depending on the degree of the osteopenia or osteoporosis seen on the uh, the bone density scan, uh, you know, we can really help prevent those uh, life-changing events. Yeah. The other thing is to maximize your calcium and vitamin D, because those are what are kind of building blocks that we need for healthy bones. So I always make sure that I check a vitamin D level in any um, patient that comes back as osteopenic or osteoporosis uh, to make sure we don't need to replace that vitamin D uh, as well. So that would be one thing I would check on uh, to make sure that your vitamin D level is at the appropriate range. And then there's, you know, there's specialists that do just kind of osteoporosis type things. That's more a rheumatologist, so not necessarily orthopedic, uh, but more rheumatology. And so you're certainly um, within your right to ask to see a rheumatologist to see if there's another avenue that you could go for treating that. How's that sound, Miss Jane? Well, in other words, I won't get any better from it. I just, the Fosamax, I'll just not get any worse. Pretty much. That's the hope. Now, it's no guarantee. You know, it could still progress, especially if you've got a vitamin D deficiency or something like that. Well, my vitamin D was good. Good. 
Good. And I'm taking a thousand milligrams plus. I take calcium twice a day, and it's four hundred milligrams of good vitamin, vitamin D. D. Good. Good. All those are good things. So yeah, kind of the the goal now is just to hold on to what you got. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You're so welcome, Jane. You have a great day. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Sam, and we're also going to talk a little bit about sports injuries because I want to make sure we talk about those a little bit. You can give us a call at one 672 7464 Send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. As an MPB listener, you probably know of Radio Reading Service, our free closed-circuit network for the print impaired. But did you know that means Radio Reading Service isn't only for the visually impaired and that MPB provides the special receiver you need for the service? Call 601-432-6301 to see if you qualify for MPB's Radio Reading Service. 601-432-6301. There's so much more to know. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Dr. Josie Bidwell here with my guest, Trip Provides, and we're talking about bones and joints and muscles today. And we want to talk with you. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring And we're going to go to the phones and talk to Sam in Saltillo. Good morning, Sam. Hey, how are y'all doing? We're doing good. Yeah. How can we help you today? Well, I've got a question for okay. you. I had a friend that was a physician years ago. We were talking, yakking about... Um, um, men and um, osteoporosis and stuff. And he said, well, main thing with you, he said, don't take a vitamin with calcium. Men don't need calcium. It can increase your risk of heart disease. And I checked into it, read up on it, got online. And, you know, I read several articles that men, that in men, calcium increases risk of heart disease. But as a man, am I not subject to osteoporosis? 
most men are at a decreased risk of osteoporosis because of the hormones that go on. Uh, osteoporosis is linked to some with estrogen, and so men are not, not estrogen dependent usually. So um, it's more of a female thing, but men can get it. But it's usually if they have um, a chronic condition that we're giving them medication for that thins the bones. One of those is um, steroids like prednisone, um, people that are on we call them glucocorticoids when they're on those for prolonged periods of time, say they've got um, a pretty significant autoimmune disease or they've had an organ transplantation or they have really bad asthma and we've had to use a lot of steroids with them for that, um, that will thin the bones. So those are usually the men that we see osteoporosis in um, and usually the men that we screen. Most other guys, we don't um, screen for osteoporosis. Okay, well, that makes sense, and that makes sense why my multivitamin for men doesn't have calcium. Right, right. Okay. Yep. That's that's why well, they make a men's once a day and a women's once a day. Yeah, well, we got to be gender-specific, don't we? We just got to get the, the right mix for the right folks and keep <laughs> everybody as healthy as we can. Hey, well, thank you all for your show. I really appreciate the, you know, the advice you all give. I know, you know, it's not medical advice like you go to a physician, but still, like my question, yeah. you know, I'm a sustaining member, and it's worthwhile. To well, we support. thank you for that, and I thank you for well, listening. Well, and, and you guys don't exactly make a fortune on this. So, um, you know, we, we really appreciate it, and I encourage everybody to support MPB. Well, thank you. We appreciate that, and you have an excellent Monday. Y'all too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Quickly, we're going to go to Judy in Jackson. Good morning, Judy. Hi, um, I have a question about Fosamax. Okay. I heard the lady earlier complaining about having to wait 30 minutes to drink her coffee, mm-hmm. and I certainly agree with that. I have read in the literature that comes with my prescription and also online that it's really for optimum benefit. You should wait up to two hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, two hours is really a long time to wait for your coffee. So I'm wondering <laughs> if there's really any benefit to waiting two hours. Well, it all depends on what exactly you'd be eating. So a lot of the medications are dependent on pH of the stomach acid as to how they absorb and work. And so different foods are going to affect that differently. Um, One of the things that we never want to give with that is like an antacid type medication, um, uh, like a Tums or one that contains aluminum, because those are going to prevent those medications from working. So, you know, two hours is a long time. And I don't know a whole lot of folks that are going to do that. Um, you know, 30 minutes would be kind of that bare minimum. I usually ask folks to try and wait at least an hour um, before they do it. But some of us are just not functioning human beings if we don't have a little bit of coffee um, <laughs> at some point um, before that. Some folks can't put their pants on without having a little bit of, yeah. of coffee. So, um, you know, there's kind of ideal situations and then there's kind of what we have to do to, to make it make it work. You have anything to add on that trip or are you kind of on that same train? No, I'm right there with you. All right. That helped, Judy? Yes. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Do the best you can. You do the best you can with what you got. 
And guys, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. And we've had so many great callers. And I've so enjoyed having Tripp on the show. We will absolutely have to have him back so we can get to some of these other questions that we had. If we did not get a chance to get to you today, please send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And I'll be happy to answer your question. Tripp, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. I know you're a busy, busy man. And thank you for taking that uh, time to come out with us. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Check us out every day of the week at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup.